Well, good morning. I hope you're having a great week. I'm so glad you're here as we move into the next part of our Love Revealed series, what it means when God says to love others and how, the, how we're supposed to emulate that in our life as we look at the journey of Jesus and his ministry. And today we're going to be talking about moving beyond a me attitude and what that really means. But I want to start off by telling you, I'm going to show my age a little bit. You know, when I was a kid, I have to be honest, I was a huge fan of Mr. Rogers. Yeah, Mr. Rogers taught me so much about life. I was Sesame Street, then Mr. Rogers. I was one of those kids. And I loved his stories. I loved his quotes. I wanted to be his neighbor. I wanted to be in the land of make-believe and ride that trolley and, and have all that fun. But, you know, there are so many quotes that Mr. Rogers had that still resonates with me today. One of his quotes is, nobody else can live the life you live. Or another Mr. Rogers quote is, it's not so much what we have in this life that matters, it's what we do with what we have. Or there's another quote, often when you think you're at the end of something, you're at the beginning of something else. But you know what really just rings through my mind so often? Is when the start of a show, when he would come walk in the house and he would sing, would you be mine, could you be mine, won't you be there we go. Thank you for letting me have that moment. <laughs> I wanted to be his neighbor. I wanted so badly to be his neighbor and what that meant. You know, biblically speaking, that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. He said, the greatest commandments are first to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, we are to be neighborly. That's what we could be. Mark 12, 31 says the second commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than any of these. And so when we look at this passage and we think that Jesus called us to be neighborly, Jesus called us to love others the way we would want to be loved, I think it boils down to a very important question. Who is my neighbor and what does that mean? How am I supposed to love them? Because if we don't philosophically understand what that means and who our neighbor is, how can we follow through with the love that God called us to love? You know, last week we talked about the greatest need that every person has, and that is to be known and to be loved. If you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go onto our YouTube channel, Impact Pittsburgh. Subscribe and follow us. You can see last week's message, and you can catch yourself up. But to love our neighbor is to live beyond ourselves. It's not all about me. It's not self-focused. We all need to be a part of the circle of love. No, I'm not, singing. I'm not going to start singing Elton John, I promise. But we all need to be a part of what God's called us to be, to love and to love others. One more Mr. Rogers quote, and I promise this will be the last one. Mr. Rogers said this, Everyone longs to be loved, and the greatest thing that we can do is to let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. You know, at Impact, we strive to be a, a movement of people that loves God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and loves others through us as we let him love us and love others through us. That's what we desire to be as a movement of people. You know, think about that. What does it really mean to let God love us and love others through us? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus was having this interaction with this, he's described as an expert of the law. And here this expert of the law was asking Jesus a question. Or to be more honest, he was challenging Jesus. He was trying to stump Jesus. You see, to be the expert of the law, 
let's be honest, biblically speaking, what he was looking for as an expert, he was looking for the loophole in the law. You know, when we become experts, ultimately what we're trying to do is we constantly try to find the loophole in the law. In other words, how can I get what I want, do what I want to do, but still receive the blessings And so often, when Jesus encountered people along the street, when he's walking on by, most of the questions all had to do around the same question this man was asking Jesus. How can I inherit eternal life? How can I get into heaven? What does that mean? And so often, we see the heart of mankind, which really is our heart often today, and that is, okay, where is the loophole? How can I receive that, but still do what I want to do and be who I want to be and live how I want to live or whatever it may be? I'm guilty of it, just as anybody else. And here this man was someone who was trying to find a loophole in what, the, what Jesus was saying to get into eternal life. To love God and to love others. What, how can I receive the blessings but live how I want to live? And Jesus' conversation with this expert focused on how he can do this. What is the path towards this? And I love Jesus' response. Because here Jesus responds to this man, not by answering the question, but answering his question with another question. And I think so often Jesus frustrated the people who came to him. Because he wouldn't answer the questions. He followed up with a question. You know why? He wanted to see their heart. When I was in college, I had this uh, New Testament professor. And he drove me up the wall. Because he would never answer our questions. You know, Mr. Thatcher, Mr. Thatcher, what in the world does the Bible mean there? What's it saying? And he would always say, well, what do you think it means? Will you just stop with the questions? Tell me. (laughs) And Jesus says that too. You know why? Because A, he wants to know your heart. And he wants to pull your heart out. Because ultimately, that's what he wants to deal with. He wants to deal with our heart. And so often our heart is more focused on trying to find the loopholes in how we can get around what he's calling us to do or to be or to live, rather than saying, okay, I'm in. I got to go. I'm going to follow you. And the expert of the law, Jesus asked him, okay, what do you think it says? What do you think it means to inherit eternal life? In other words, Jesus is saying to this man, you're the expert. You tell me. You tell me what you think it means. How do you receive eternal life? And this expert of the law replied to Jesus, well, you got to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and then you love others like yourself. And Jesus, I'm thinking, I'm sure Jesus is thinking, man, someone at least listens. And Jesus responds by saying, do this and you will live. That's it. You figure it out. And then this expert of the law follows up with a rebuttal question. And let's be honest. For those of us who try to find the loopholes in following Jesus and still receive what, he want, what we want from him, we're full of rebuttal questions, aren't we? Yeah, Jesus, I get that, but. Hey, I'll follow that, but. And here is his but, his rebuttal question. You know, it sounds good to love God, love others, but I need some conditions on that. I need some conditions. Like, who really am I supposed to love? Who who am I really, who are you really asking me to step out the way and love? Because I can love those who I like to hang out with. I can love those who I enjoy being with. But but who are you really calling me to love? Because I'm not sure how far I want to go with this. And the expert of law gives us an intriguing rebuttal question. He starts this by, by saying in Luke 10, 29, 
He said, the Bible says that he wanted to justify himself. And he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? I, that, that phrase just sticks out to me. He wanted to justify himself. I can't help but read this story and get stuck on that. I get stuck on it because I feel he's speaking to me. How often in my life have I gone to the throne of God? And when I say I've gone to the throne of God, I'm sitting down reading my Bible, doing my Devo. I'm there at the feet of God, and I see what God's calling me to do or to say or to be, and I follow up, well, okay, God, I have a rebuttal. I have a question. And in my heart of hearts, I know I'm trying to justify myself. I, I, I've done most of it good. Why are you pointing out that other thing? Right? And so often we see people in the Bible who encounter Jesus with that same struggle. And here this expert of the law follows up with the rebuttal. And he's trying to justify himself with a loophole. In other words, get to the heart of mankind. I do most of it good. But see, Jesus doesn't want most of it. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. That he can love us and love others through us. And here this expert of the law was looking for a loophole. And to be honest, as I read this text, I see this man with a negative attitude, you know, probably maybe giving Jesus a little bit of an attitude how he asked it. He was really not being sincere with, okay, God, I love God, love others. That's what I'm supposed to do. I can kind of see the insincerity in his question. And he was asking, who's my neighbor? You see, in that time period, this man was a Jewish man. In that time period, the Jewish people, in their view of who a neighbor was, it was other Jews. In other words, what they were believing and thinking, my neighbors are other Jews. They are people like me. They are one of us. And so I'm cool with loving someone who is one of us. But see, Jesus is asking us to love beyond who is just like us. And that's where this man did not want to go. And I think oftentimes that's where we struggle with, where maybe we're not willing to go. Because loving those outside our walls, loving those, those who are not necessarily like us, sometimes causes interruptions in our life. And let's be honest, sometimes we don't want those interruptions. We want to be more focused on what we want and what we feel we need to do. We don't want the interruptions to participate into my journey. It's a lot easier to love those who are like us. But Jesus is telling you love your neighbor, it's people beyond your walls that you're supposed to love. That's what he's calling us towards. See, the problem with all of this is in the, the very nature of our own heart, the nature of this man's heart, the nature of my heart and your heart, if we're all honest, is we become very self-driven, very self-focused. And we tend to have an attitude of, just don't bother me. I've got somewhere I have to be. I've got plans I want to do. I have resources that I have planned for myself that I don't want to pass on to you. And we struggle with becoming self-driven. You know, in the 1990s, the, one of the top sitcoms was Seinfeld. And the very last episodes of Seinfeld saw this man Seinfeld, the main character, and his friends move, like, uh, on a journey somewhere to, to kind of create their show. And here they were on a street corner wa uh, waiting for their uh, plane and waiting for their next place to be when they saw a man across the street being robbed. 
And they just sat there and they watched him. And the whole scene carried out with Seinfeld and his friends watching the scene uh, play out, making fun of the man, talking about how uh, bad this, 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 this situation was for this guy, joking about it. And then they're like, well, you know, where do we need to go now? And they started going on their way. And they got in trouble because in that little small community, they had the Good Samaritan law. And I think how often we're like that. We're so focused on, oh, we see it going on. We see the need. We see the problem. But I don't want to get involved because it's going to interrupt me. You see, to love our neighbor is to develop a beyond me attitude. That's what we have to strive towards, living beyond ourselves. And to answer the question that's raised by this expert of the law, Jesus told a parable. You see, in the New Testament, in Jesus' journey, he often taught through parables. These were short stories that Jesus gave to people to teach a lesson. And here, this man came and asked a question, gave his rebuttal, and Jesus like, go ahead, sit down, let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, no, he didn't really start like that. But there, he told this story about this man that was going down a street, and he was grabbed by a robber. The robber beat him up, knocked him down, took everything this man had, and left him for dead. And then, the, then Jesus continues on the parable in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, starting in verse 31. It reads, a priest happened to be going down, to this, down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. You see, right away, this man was beaten and down and left for dead. Everything was taken from him. And then there was a series of passerbys that went down this road that, biblically speaking, I don't think many people traveled. And so here he was going down the alleyway of this road to, to where they were going, and the priest walked by. The priest represents the religious people. The priest was uh, who served in the temple courts of that day. He would do the sacrifices, meet people's needs. The Levite, the other person who passed by, also represented the religious people. You see, he worked in the temple courts too. The Levite's job was to prepare all the sacrifices needs so that the priest could offer the sacrifices for the people. You see, these two people represented the totality of the religious people, the church. And here these people who should know what's right and what's wrong, how to love, were so focused on their journey, on their life, they didn't want this interruption. They had every opportunity to see this man. They saw him. They, they, they processed the situation. And then the Bible says they walked on the other side of the road. They didn't want to help. They didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to have their resources taken up. They didn't want to associate with this man. He just, they didn't want to do anything with him. And see, that phrase, they passed on the other side, is another phrase in the story that I just can't get out of my head. Because so often, I'm them. I'm them. And maybe sometimes you are too. You see the need of someone else right in front of you. Maybe you kind of pretend like, I didn't see them. I looked the other way. I don't see that person. Or maybe you acknowledge the need, but there's an unwillingness within your own heart that the game starts in 10 minutes. I have to be at work. I have a meeting I have to get to. Or if I do jump in, 
what's that really going to require from me? I mean, what, what, are they, what, is gonna, what, what do I need to do? I don't want to get involved. And so many times, maybe not physically, but emotionally within our own heart, we walk on the other side. We don't get involved. Like the priest and the Levite, we have an unwillingness to allow the interruption to happen in our life. Because to love others at some level requires interruptions. I'm not going to lie to you. To love others, to serve others, requires interruptions in your life. Whether it's time or resources or whatever it might be, to love the way that God called us to love requires interruptions. And so often we don't do that. We don't act out on that simply because we don't want to have the interruptions in our own life. And we miss out on the opportunities. That's what that walk on the other side represents. Those interruptions. The unwillingness that we have sometimes to associate with people in need or of different circumstances that we may have. Our unwillingness to, to allow that ha- to, the interruptions that happen in our life. And what happens is then we have this attitude within our heart, don't bother me. I'm too busy. I got places to be. I have things to do. And our mentality then often becomes about me rather than them. Yet Jesus called us to love others the way that he loved us. And that requires interruptions in our life to love our neighbor. You know, there was a third passerby in this story. The religious, the religious people, the priests and the Levites, they passed by, they went on their way, and who knows what the rest of their day had. But then there's a Samaritan and unlike the two first passerbys, he was not one of them. This man in the story that was beaten, he was a Jewish person. The priest and the, Le- the, the, the uh, Levite that walked by, they were Jewish people. Yet they didn't even love one of them. Here was the Samaritan that was walking by. He was not one of them. In fact, he was hated and despised by the Jewish people. In fact, this man that was lying dead on the road probably even said some bad things about this person walking by. Tore him down with his words in some way, and maybe with his actions. If, there is, if you could say there is someone who had every reason to walk by, it was this man, the Samaritan. He was not liked by them. He was hated by them. But he's the one who allowed the interruption to take place. Jesus picks up the story in verse 33 of Luke 10. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when they saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Do you see what happened? Do you see the interruptions the Samaritan allowed? You know, just to relook at that, he first had concern. He had compassion on this man on the ground. And that compassion led to action, led him to do something, stirred something in his heart. They said, I can't just walk by this, I have to do something. And then he stopped. 
See, that's the first step we got to do. We got to stop and actually participate in whatever the need is. He stopped from where he was going, from what he had to do. He stopped from his own life to help this man. And the Bible says he bandaged him. He brought out oil and wine, which in those days was their first aid kit. So he got out his personal first aid kit and he began to meet this man's physical needs. Then the Bible says he picked up this man and put him on his own donkey and walked the donkey into town. I don't know how far the walk was, but he took that sacrifice to use his donkey to carry this man into town. And then he took this man to the inn and he took him to the room. And the Bible describes that he spent the whole night caring for this man. He spent the rest of the evening putting aside his life to help this man. And then the next morning, he had to go. And he went down to the front desk, and he's ringing the bell, and the innkeeper comes over, and he says, here, I'm giving my day's wage to you to help this man. Whatever he needs, please help him. And if, if his needs go beyond my day's wage, what I just gave to you, I'm going to come back. I'll be back in a few days, and I'll pay any extra expenses that there are. This Samaritan, he was not looking for any recognition. He was not looking for anything in return. And he allowed this need to become a disruption, in, I'm sorry, an interruption in his life because he could not keep walking until he met that need. That's love. That's compassion. Compassion is deep concern for others that stirs us towards action. And loving our neighbor is to live beyond ourselves and serve. To love others is to serve others. To be willing to allow their situation to be an interruption in my life to meet whatever need they may have. That's loving the way God called us to love. That's loving our neighbor. And truth be told, the heart to serve comes out of our compassion for others. And let's just be honest, this might be where the issue is. We don't care about people beyond our walls because we're so focused on ourself. And if that's you, it's like, Bill, I'm wrestling with even caring about other people. That's a personal heart check that you need to do with God. I need to do regularly with God. Let's be honest, we all struggle sometimes with truly loving and caring and having compassion. But we need to have a heart check with God and be real with that. And then after telling this story, Jesus asked, then asked the expert of the law, who do you think? Who do you think was the neighbor? Who do you think was the actual neighbor in the story? Oh, expert of the law. And then Luke 10, 37, the expert, of the law reply, expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. In other words, stop only loving those who are like you. Stop only loving those you like. Love those beyond your walls. Allow the interruptions to happen to serve them. Because if love is only words, it doesn't mean much. But let the compassion that's stirring within your own heart lead to action that you serve them. Meet their needs. Meet their needs. Go and do likewise. 
You see, we're all called to show care and concern for every person that we encounter. Every person you come into contact with is an opportunity to love and to serve. Everyone. Whether it's your physical neighbors, that person who works in the cubicle down from you, the person you stand next to on the sideline, or, or those you encounter in the shopping uh, mall, whoever it may be, every person that you encounter is a God-given opportunity for you to love and to serve. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. That's what he called us to do. That's loving our neighbor. The traits of being neighborly is showing concern that leads into action, is a willingness to have those interruptions in our life to put myself aside, what I think I should be doing aside to meet their need. Even if it causes me time, energy, and resources, I am going to love them and serve them. You know, Jesus called us to be like-minded in his love to others, in his serving other people. And the Apostle Paul wrote about it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He wrote, Then make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love and being one in spirit and, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. You know, Paul is saying here, in our journey of faith, in our spiritual efforts to strive towards the heart of God, this journey is all about making his joy complete in us. We talked about joy a couple of weeks ago, but here in all reality, this journey is about experiencing his joy, his love in our life, and sharing his joy and his love to others. And how do we complete that cycle of joy? How do we fully experience the joy that he wants to give into your, into your life, the joy that you can only experience through the heart and life of Jesus? And that is living with humility. That's the journey that Jesus revealed. Every person I come into contact with is someone that I have to think about, how am I going to love them? How will I serve them? Humility is saying, I'm going to put what I want aside, maybe what I feel is best for me aside for what's best for other people. My life is not about trying to build me up. My life is to get underneath everybody else and build them up. That's humility. That's love. In action. That's to let God love us and love others through us. See, joy is fostered within us when our concern for others outweighs our concern for ourselves. That's when joy is found. The more we live for ourselves, the more we don't even realize what joy is. The more we don't experience it, the more we are just dissatisfied. You want to find the true satisfaction in life, the God-given satisfaction? It's when you move towards spiritual maturity that is found in having concern for others that's greater than your concern for yourself. That's joy. That's spiritual maturity. So think about this. Every person you encounter today, this week, and the rest of your life is experiencing the collateral damage of living. We all are. This life is a hard life. And every person you encounter is struggling through the same hard life. And they, have, they are an opportunity that God gave to us to love 
and to serve. Because Jesus came to serve. I want to read you this blog. I, I found it through the Facebook waves. And um, it's a little bit lengthy, so bear with me. But I think this is so powerful. It's written by a man by the name of John Pavlovitz. This blog that's called, It's Okay Not to Be Okay. The day my father died, I was at the grocery store buying bananas. I remember thinking to myself, this is insane. Your dad just died. Why are you buying bananas? But we needed bananas. We'd, been, we'd be waking up for breakfast tomorrow morning, and there wouldn't be any bananas. So there I was. And lots of other stuff still needed doing too. So over the coming days, I would navigate parking lots, wait in restaurant lines, and sit on park benches, pushing back tears, fighting to stay upright, and in general, always being seconds from a total blubbering, room-clearing freakout. I wanted to wear a sign that said, I just lost my dad, go easy. Unless anyone passing by looked deeply into my bloodshot eyes or noticed the occasional break in my voice and thought enough to ask, it's not like they'd have known what's happening inside me or around me. They wouldn't, have had, they wouldn't have had any idea of the gaping sinkhole that just opened up and swallowed the normal life of the guy next to them in the produce section. And while I didn't want to physically wear my actual circumstances on my chest, it probably would have caused people around me to give me space and speak softer to, or, or move more carefully. And it might have made the impossible almost bearable. Everyone around you, the people you share the grocery store line with, pass in traffic, sit next to at work, encounter on social media, and see across the kitchen table, they're all experiencing the collateral damage of living. They're all grieving someone, missing someone, worried about someone. Their marriages are crumbling, or their mortgage payment is late, or they're waiting on their child's test results. Or they're getting bananas five years after a death and still pushing back tears because the loss feels as real as it did the first day. Every single human being you pass by today is fighting to find peace and to push back fear, to get through their daily tasks without breaking down in front of the bananas or in the carpool line or at the post office. Many, maybe they aren't mourning the sudden, tragic passing of a parent, but wounded, exhausted, pain ravaged, people are everywhere, every day stumbling all around us, and yet most of the time we're fairly oblivious to them. Parents whose children are terminally ill, couples in the middle of divorce, people grieving the loss of a loved one and relationships, kids being bullied at school, teenagers who want to end their lives, people marking the anniversary of a death, parents worried about their depressed teenager, spouses whose partners are deployed in combat, Families with no idea how to keep the lights on. Single parents with little help and little sleep. Everyone is grieving and worried and fearful. And yet none of them wear the signs. None of them have labels. And none of them come with written warning readings saying, I'm struggling, be nice to me. And since they don't, it's up to you and me to look more closely, more deeply at everyone around us. At work or at the gas station, or in the produce section. And to never assume they aren't all just hanging on by a thread. Because most people are hanging on by a thread, and our simple kindness can be that thread. 
we need to remind ourselves just how hard the, the hidden stories around us might be and to approach each person as a delicate, breakable, invaluable treasure and to handle them with care. As you make your way through the world today, people won't be wearing signs to announce their mourning or to alert you to the attrition or to broadcast how terrified they are. But if you look with the right eyes, you'll see the signs. There are grieving people all around you. Go easy. My friends, that's love and like Jesus loved. That's experiencing his love and loving our neighbor the way that he called us to love them. We need to go easy. We need to show compassion. We need to serve. We need to be kind. And Jesus shared another parable. Parable of the king and, and, his, and his servants. And in the parable, he shared this. The king said, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the people asked the king, well, when did we see you? When did, when did we know that that was you? How, that, I don't think it was ever you. And then the king replied in Matthew 25, verse 40, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. Jesus was referencing himself. How we treat other people, how we love, how we serve, needs to be in the mindset that every person I encounter, I'm encountering Jesus himself. I'm going to love them and serve them with that mindset. You know, in that, in that verse, Jesus revealed some key things, action steps we need to take. You fed, you gave, you stopped, you came, you did. Those are all action words to show compassion, to love, and to respond, to be kind. You see, showing kindness to loving our neighbor is the journey to completing the joy, God's joy, within us and through us. To, love God, to let God love us and love others through us. That's what he called us to do. That's what Jesus revealed in his journey on this earth. That's what he calls us to follow, to live in the same humility, to treat other people the same way I would want to treat you, to see the needs and be willing to allow the interruptions in my life to love and to serve. Because love opens the door to truth. And so here today, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. You don't think you're going to leave today with homework, but I'm going to give you some homework, okay? Right now, I'm going to ask my friends to come up, and they're going to be passing out these, these cards. We want to start a movement right here, right now. By this Sunday, by Sunday next week, my challenge is you to partner with us. Collectively, as a church, our goal within the next week is to do 1,000 acts of kindness, 1,000. And let's see what happens. Let's start a movement of kindness in our community and see what happens as it goes throughout the world. Will you partner with us? You may want one. You may want a couple. If you want a couple and they already passed, you just hold up some fingers and say two. You know, if you want two, you want multiple, that's fine. Take at least one. We need to go to 1,000 by the end of this week. And so we're going to need some more people taking more cards. If you're online, you can go to our website. Or if you want more, you can go to website Impact Pittsburgh. You can download this card, print it off yourself, and go do it. Here's your homework, okay? 
at least one, maybe two, maybe three, you name it. I want you to do some sort of random act of kindness for somebody else. It could be you're in a drive-through line. You're going to pray for the person, or I'm sorry, you're going to pay for the person behind you. You could be driving past the laundromat. You know what? I got some cores. I'm just going to go in there and pay for some people's laundry right now. It could be you know a neighbor in need, a single mom or an elderly person. That's, you know what? Thursday night, I'm going to go and I'm going to pull their weeds or I'm going to rake their leaves or whatever it may be. You know, you name it. There's endless ideas that you can do. Okay. So here's your job. Your job is to go do at least one random act of kindness. Love them. Serve them. And then when you do that, give them the card. You don't need to say anything else. Love them. Serve them. Do something for them. Give them the card. Let them know that they've just been loved by people at impact. Served by people at impact. There's a place on the back. They can read it themselves. You don't have to explain anything with a card. There's a place where they or you can share your stories. I love to hear thousands of stories of people who was like, someone made a difference in my life because they did this. I look forward to those stories. And here's the other thing. We want to create a movement. This card then challenges them. You've been loved. Someone did kindness to you. It's your turn. Your turn. Who are you going to turn around to and do kindness? Wouldn't it be awesome if we just created a movement of kindness that went beyond our initial thousand people, thousand acts? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? And in the weeks to come, we'll hear thousands upon thousands of stories of people who have experienced the love of God simply by what you've done this week. And who knows? Maybe one day this card will circle back around to you and someone will do something good to you. You just never know. But will you join me in our efforts to start a movement of kindness this week Let's do 1,000 acts of kindness through our community and see what God does. Let's pray together. Father, you are a good God. And Lord, you loved us. You loved us unconditionally, even when we don't deserve it. Even when we make poor choices, you still love us. And through your ministry on earth, you showed us what it means to love others. To make your joy complete within our own heart and in other people's lives. Lord, forgive us for the times that we were too focused on ourselves that we did not allow the interruptions in our life. But Lord God, may we be faithful to love others, to love our neighbor the way that you call them to love, to be compassionate towards other, others, to see them, see their needs, and serve them. And Lord God, may those efforts May your spirit just plant seeds that grow into something great. Lord, move, guide, and help us to love. It's in your name we pray. Amen.